0: Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. So my joke, I, I uh, was able to share maybe a month ago, and they let me back again, so I haven't blown it yet. I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten fired. I'm, I'm back. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to be able to, to share with you guys this morning. Um, If you have, uh, if you're old school and you got one of these um, and you don't have a phone, or if you have a phone too, uh, if you want to turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to be reading from verses 1 to 5 there. That's going to be kind of our key text this morning. Um, I will have it on the screen. I can't promise that the first slide is like completely legible. I think I put too many words on it, but. Um, so if you have it on your phone and you prefer to read along, 1 Corinthians chapter two, if you'd like to read along with me. Um, but before I get started, I'd love to just, uh, I'd love to just pray for us. Um, awesome. God, thanks so much for the privilege of having breath in our lungs here today. Thanks for the honor of having a day. Like we're not entitled to it. And I just thank you for it. We honestly thank you for the privilege of of life and of being able to come and to hear from you. The fact that you're God Almighty and you want to speak to us and and have a relationship with us and be known by us is something that we just will spend our whole lives getting to know. And I just thank you that tonight, this morning is another opportunity to be able to do that. So I, I welcome you here, Holy Spirit, to be able to teach us. And I just prayed that this time would be totally yours. I just thank you for every heart here and thanks for all the fruit you're gonna bear in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so before I get uh, into the text that I'm gonna read, um, I'm gonna give you a little backstory about a guy named Saul. Um, anybody not know Saul, the New Testament? You can be honest, anybody know Saul? Saul later became Paul, a few people. Only like two people. I was expecting a bit more than that, but all right. Three, four. Okay, good. Great. Here we go. Nice. Um, Saul was an interesting guy. So um, Jesus, Jesus came. Jesus is the son of God and he comes to earth and he says, hey guys, you were made to be in relationship with me, but sin's holding you back from me. And I, I love you enough that I want to die for you so that I would take your sin upon myself and you could just take my life up and be back to God for free. Like it's, it's, it costs you your life, but you were never made to live for yourself anyway. It costs you something you were never made to have. And Jesus says, I'm gonna take the, the, the punishment for the sin and everything that you've done that, that, that has separated you from me. That's how much you're worth to me. And, and you can be reconciled back to the life you were made to live. You can be connected back to God himself. That's what Jesus, that's Jesus' message. It's, it's this new life. It's this new spiritual life in the kingdom of God. You're, you're reborn. Um, so Jesus is on the scene. He dies. He dies on the cross and he rises again from the grave and um, it starts to change the world. There's all kinds of people that believe this guy really was who he says he was. This guy really changed my life when I, when I said, yes, I want to receive your forgiveness. Um, it's still changing the world today, by the way. And if you're new to any of this stuff, I want you to know that God's for you. That This is actually for you as well. You don't have to be good enough to, to get up the mountain to him. He came down and he says, you're worth coming down for and you're worth dying on a cross for. That's how much you're worth to God. You're completely holistically loved. Um, so it starts to change the world. Okay. And, and these little communities would pop up. And this guy, Saul, was a, he didn't really buy at first that Jesus was who he says he was. He didn't buy that Jesus was the Messiah, okay? The Messiah was the guy who was prophesied to come and free people from their sin, which Jesus is. He didn't buy it, and he was a part of a group of people called the Pharisees that were very adamantly against people that were believing in Jesus. But Saul wasn't your average um, anti-Jesus guy. He was actually pretty hardcore. He had a reputation. He was actually like, he wasn't just like arguing on Facebook about why Jesus isn't real. He was like going from town to town, like getting these guys arrested who are believing in Jesus. He thought this thing needs to be stopped. He was zealous about it, right? Um, he actually, at one point, there was a guy named Stephen who was the first martyr in Jesus' name, which means a martyr is you're killed for believing something, you're, you're killed um, standing up for a cause. Um, Saul held the coats of the people that were stoning Stephen to death. So this was serious opposition, more than we're used to in our culture. And Saul was a champion of it. Okay, this guy was pretty intense. And Jake's paraphrase of Saul's story, okay. Saul, Saul's on a road and he literally gets knocked on his butt um, because the, the living Jesus meets him. He has an encounter with the living Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is, you know, what's kind of funny. I find this, I find this fascinating about Jesus. He's not like, he isn't like, Hey, you want to do this face to face, Saul? You've been persecuting me. You've been trying to persecute my people. Let's go. Let's duke this out. There's no confrontation in Jesus voice whatsoever. When he meets with Saul, he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It hurts you to kick against the thorns. he actually has this compassion. Jesus has has this compassion for Saul. He's like, Saul, if you keep trying to fight me, it's going to hurt you. Jesus is thinking about Saul in that moment. He's not confronting somebody that's trying to hurt his people. He sees compassion for this man, right? So anyway, Saul, Saul literally goes blind. Uh, why that happens, I don't know. And he goes to a town because he's just met the risen Jesus, and, he, and he had the, he, it's undeniable, right? It's ridiculous. And um, long story short, he basically comes to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He believes that Jesus is who he says he is. His name changes to Paul somewhere in there. I kind of forget the details, but now his name's Paul. And this guy ends up writing like two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy, his letters comprise the majority of the New Testament. This guy goes from being like the most anti-Jesus guy you can imagine, more than probably anybody we've ever met. And he ends up being the author of two-thirds of the New Testament. Isn't that interesting? This guy's got a really cool story. Um, So I'm going to take us into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Corinth was a place. If you lived in Corinth, you were a Corinthian. Um, this is a letter to the Corinthians. It's not a book called Corinthians. It's a letter to those people, okay? So Paul, later, after, later on in his life, he's now for Jesus, um, is writing this letter. And he's talking to this, these Corinthian people because he went there and he started this church. He started this, he came with this message and it started a whole bunch of other people that believed that Jesus was real and they were loved by God and they were reconciled in relationship with him. So he's, he's writing a letter to them later on and, and where we're jumping in, Paul's looking back and he's talking about how he came to them when he originally came. Okay, he's reflecting on, on, on how he approached these Corinthian people. So I have a slide. Let's go ahead and read. It's chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, okay? He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I was hung up on this, um, that Paul, okay, so you have to understand a little bit more of Paul's backstory, he was very educated. Um, He was like a Pharisee of Pharisees, he he knew his stuff. And he, he converts to believe that Jesus was who he says he was, but he doesn't come proclaiming this message with like an entourage, you know? He doesn't have like a big thesis in his back pocket, like a 200 page, you know, here's the proof. You know, he doesn't have a big thesis, he doesn't have an entourage, he's actually kind of scared. Okay, he, he comes and he says, I didn't come um, proclaiming this with lofty speech or wisdom. I, um, I, the only thing I knew was Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was weak and I was afraid. The interesting thing about um, Jesus is that when he's still alive today and you 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 give your life to him you're born again you have you have life in Christ you kind of you have Jesus life in you and and God loves people through you we're his hands and his feet we're the ambassadors for Jesus to the rest of the world being like hey like this this thing's real he loves you you're, you're made to be with him so God lives life through um through us and um sorry I lost my train of thought there a little bit but He's living his life through us. You have new life in Christ. And, um, Paul decided to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Um, oh, that's what it was. I got it. I got it. Us today, kind of like Paul, are charged with something to, to do. Paul, we may, we may not go start a church in a town somewhere in like the Mediterranean, but, um, we're a part of God's, we're, we're God's ambassadors here today. We have something to, Jesus uses us and loves people through us, and, and, and we have a part to play in his life. Um, I find that really cool. So, similar to Paul, it may not be the same thing, but we, we have a message to proclaim. We've got something that, that God wants to live through us and um, shine through us to call people back to himself. Does that make sense? So, I was struck by this because, okay, Paul's Paul, somebody that you would think could have come with a really big thesis. He could have had an entourage. This guy's got some credibility. He wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. But he actually says in his own words, when I came to you, I didn't know a whole lot. I was scared. I was weak. I only really knew Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I thought, I was reflecting, and this is my message this morning, is I was reflecting on how, what does that mean for us in our mission with Jesus? What does that mean in us as, as Jesus calls us as his ambassadors to go and to love the world and to call people to him? Because I think that there's a funny way that we, we can know a whole lot, but miss the one thing that Paul knew. And I think that that's the most important thing. Can I show you in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? In verse 18, here's what he says in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the word of the cross is the power of God. So here's, here's what I'm concerned about is that in our mission, we can have a lot of things right. But if we miss the message of the cross and Jesus Christ, we could miss the power of God itself. You could know a lot of right answers. You could have a lot of scripture memorized. You could, you could, feed, the, you could feed the poor and, and, and help people in good things. I'm not saying any of those things are bad things, but I'm saying that if we miss this, we miss the one thing that Paul knew. Jesus Christ and him crucified ties this all together. If, every, if, if, if you don't have that, everything else is loose strands that don't actually lead anywhere. Does that make sense? This is the one thing that Paul knew. It's all he focused on. And this started a church that was like, it started a whole community. So there's power in knowing this thing. And you can have a lot of right, you can be doing a lot of right, but if you miss this, I think in a certain way you can miss it all. Does that make sense? You can miss the very power of God. So I was reflecting, like, what does this mean for us? Like, Do, do I know this? And I was thinking about what does it mean for us to, to want other people to know this, okay? And the first thing I'm gonna say, this, this is probably obvious, but we're not just trying to get more people to answer right on a test. Like you know, we're, not, we're not going up to people on the streets and saying, hey, did you know that Jesus died on a cross? And they are like, oh, great, thanks. And you know, and later on, if somebody asks them, hey, did, did Jesus die on a cross? They're like, well, somebody told me one time, so yes. That's, our goal isn't that more people can say yes to that question. There's a, there's a deeper knowing we're talking about here, right? This isn't just cerebral trivia. Okay, so what, what is the knowing? What, is it, what does it mean to know this one thing that Paul knew that was all he had and it started a church? What does it mean to know this one thing that ties all of our lives together? Okay, the first thing I want to talk about is probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's John three sixteen. It's on the screen there. A lot of us who've grown up in the church, you might know this and you can probably quote it. But I want us to slow down and just think about this for a second, because the first thing that we have to understand, this might sound like a really obvious point, but sometimes we miss it, is that this is literal, okay? I just want us to reflect on this and just slow down and soak this in. This is the first thing that it means to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified in my message today. Um, It says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So God, Almighty God, um, creator of heaven and earth like beginning and he's eternal. He's God made planets. He made us. He's he's, he's God <laughs> So loved the world He, he loves us God <laughs> Loves us and he loves us this much that he would give his only son That whoever would even believe in him would not perish but have eternal life Would it have been in God's rights to to make the deal a little bit more difficult, right? Like are, are we were, were we entitled to this right? I don't think that's fair to say, but there's something for us to understand. Like, he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Believing in him, just believing that Jesus was who he says he was and that he he's the way back to God. Jesus in his in his own words says that nobody comes to the Father except through me. And and in his own words he says that the path that leads to life is actually narrow. And here's what that means by narrow is that this isn't, this isn't pick a path when it means when when we're talking about getting back to God and and eternal life. Okay, this isn't pick a path in this, in this sense of the word, it's narrow. Nobody comes to the father except through Jesus. And I was reflecting on this. I'm like, man, if this is literal, this means something, right, this means something for my life. This is, this is crazy. Like I, I could spend years of my life just thinking on this, that God would send his son, that I could just believe in him and be back to him. But the other thing that it means to me is that, um, what about the people around me? Like, do I believe that this is a literal part of their story too? Did Jesus die for the people around me? It, it could, is, is, that their, is that their way back to the Father as well? Is this literal, right? If if, life is, if life's going to continue after my hundred years tops, hopefully, like if, if it continues after that, is this literal for the people around me too? Like that's something else. It's like, to me, that's, that's treating it a little differently than... Um, you know, this is just something that's meaningful to me, or I read the Bible for good moral lessons, or I go to church because of community. This is something—if this is literal and this is my story and the story of the people around me, this is—that's something else. That's different, isn't it? Um, so the first thing, what it, like, I think for us to tap into what it means to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified like Paul did, the first thing I think is, is to just dwell on the fact that this is literal for us and for those around us. That This is what the Bible's claiming— Okay, and if we miss this, I think we've missed the rest. Does that make sense? This is our story and the story of those around us. The second thing I want to talk about is is in Romans 8. Romans 8, chapter 32, this one I do have. It says this, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Here's something else about what it means to know Jesus Christ and him crucified, is that if this is a statement of how much you're worth... If you're worth dying for, how would he not with him also graciously lead you into everything? Does that make sense? That's a pretty simple thing to grasp. It's like, if he's going to die for me, of course he's going to help me in everything. Is there any problem? I mean, you could be coming in a really tough spot this week. I don't know where you guys are at. Is there any problem in our life that God doesn't want to help us for if that's really his son up there dying for you? If, is there anything that we could have going on that would be too much? Is there, is there any place that's too dark for him to come venture and help us out in? Right, all this, so now all of a sudden you might say, Okay, I, I kind of get that Jesus forgave me for my sins and I've got eternal life, but I've got problems in my week. Like, like I get it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to go somewhere after I die and, I, and you know, thank God that my sins are forgiven, but I got issues. You know, I got I to gotta deal with the day-to-day. Like, this doesn't feel practical. But here, here, here's why knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified is practical is that he wants relationship. He wants to actually be a, a, a tangible help and presence in our lives through everything we're going through. And it's, you can point to the cross to prove that. If I'm worth this, he's going to help me with this too. And sometimes you got to speak to your circumstances. Do you guys know what I mean when I say that? Sometimes the feeling of circumstances can give you tunnel vision. It's just so difficult that you feel consumed, right? It's all encompassing, but you can, you can kind of by faith point to the cross and say, listen, I don't necessarily feel it right now, but I know that if he would do that for me, I have a helper right now. I may not feel it. I may not see it. My circumstances certainly don't look like it, but I know that if I'm worth that, he'll help me right now. I'm not alone in this. Sometimes you speak to your circumstances. This to me has a lot to do with how a church community can start when somebody just knows Jesus Christ and him crucified. It has a lot to do with our everyday lives. There's no place where he doesn't want to help you and meet you. Okay. Um, I uh, didn't copy this next verse, even though I attempted to apologize. Uh, My slides look wrong. The next thing, the next thing I wanna talk about is actually, I'm gonna flip back to um, 1 Corinthians chapter two here. I wanna just reread from verse two and on, okay? This is is more of what it means for God and his, uh, uh, for Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I find this really, I find this really interesting because we're not saying that um, Paul was like brainwashed and he didn't, he didn't have, like, like there was, there was an intentionality about why he just focused on this one thing. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it, it came in spirit and in power. I want to focus on these words. It was in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that their faith wasn't resting on Paul's eloquent words. It was, there was a, um, Jesus met with them in the room. And if you read the rest of 1 Corinthians, here's what that looked like. They, they started to experience supernatural things. People were being healed. People were receiving gifts of prophecy. They, God was telling them things that hadn't happened yet and it was true. There's, there's an empowering that comes through the cross. There's an empowering. Jesus didn't just die for your afterlife and 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 um, for your sins in your past. He empowers us to become something we never could have on our own. The cross is empowering. Does that make sense? You can and and. I mean, I am talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I am talking about those supernatural things. Like, those things should be normal for Christians, in a certain sense of the word. I know that seems ridiculous in light of what we sometimes see in our own lives, but we have to find who we are through here, not just through our circumstances sometimes. Does that make sense? So, the the cross of Jesus is empowering. It's empowering in the gifts of the Spirit, and We can, you know, there's a lot for us to learn and understand there, but I want you to understand that empowerment isn't just supernatural gifts of prophecy and healing. Here's another way that the cross and Jesus and the spirit can empower you. Um, You can love somebody that you had no ability to love before without his help. Does that make sense? Is that not supernatural empowerment? When there's somebody that you just, you can't love, but God helps you all of a sudden see something in a different light and you've got a sympathy and a heart for that person that you maybe didn't have for years. Is that not just as supernatural as as, as healing and prophecy and all these things? Um, How about perseverance and patience? The Holy Spirit can give you patience when you definitely couldn't have. Does that make sense? He he empowers you in in joy and um, having joy in a circumstance when the world would say, there's no way that you could be okay right now. And you've got a joy that transcends your circumstances. Does that make sense? That's empowerment. The cross of Jesus is not, it, it, it will, it does mean empower, um, helping you get through no matter where you're at. It does mean eternal life, and it is a part of our literal eternal story, and it also empowers us to go further than we ever could without him. Isn't that something? This is what it means. This, it's not a cerebral, trivial understanding of knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified, but you've got to be able to tie everything back to him, the empowerment that people see in your life, the um, the endurance and you going through tough things with his help and having an eternal peace where you, you you actually know that you're okay with God. You're not, death isn't a mystery to you. Jesus told his followers, like, like, if anybody believes in me, he'll never taste death. I'm, I'm of the belief that that for myself, I'll just speak for myself, that needs to become a little more normal to me. Just this idea that, hang on, this really is, I'm really not going to die. <laughs> I believe in Jesus. That is a certain way of, of, of shining through you, doesn't it? When you have a peace about these things, it's not a question. Um, knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified is, is, is deep. And if we, don't, if we don't have that, I think we can, we can miss a lot. And I spoke a few weeks ago about the book of Carlton Place. Okay, the, 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 the fact that, that we are the church in Carlton Place. And um, I want you to take it personally too in the sense that sometimes we're, we, you could be, I, I, I love this phrase. Somebody told me this a few weeks ago. You could be the only Bible that someone reads that day. You ever heard that one? I, I heard it also like this, that um, put Ministries, Inc. after your name, Jake Warren, Ministries, Incorporated. Like, 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 take it personally that God, it, 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 there is a reverence to be held there, but it's not meant to be some kind of crushing pressure. God wants to show people who he is through you. He wants to change you so that you know a love, so that love just shines through you. It's, it becomes who you are. It's not unnatural. You're not being someone you're not. You're, you're transformed. Okay? The book of Carlton Place, if we need to know this for the story that God's writing through us in our town, we need to know this for, I need to see my coworkers, like Jesus really died for them. That this is a part of their story. It's, it's it, 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 you know what I'm saying? Um, if, if we miss this, we're, we're going to miss an important part of the story that God's writing in our town. Does that make sense? So if you're like me, I just had a strong sense this morning. Um, There's there's one thing that I've learned really solidly in my life is that God meant it when He said, "If you ask, you'll find." You guys believe that? If you seek, you'll find. I honestly, I, the only challenge I have that I'm taking personally just as much as I'm saying it to you guys is that um, if we honestly, if you want to know more of what it, whatever this thing that Paul knew, whatever this hallmark centerpiece of the gospel message that Paul knew that I want to know for my life too, if I, it, God, if I want to know more of that, I can stand and believe that he wants that more than I do. That he actually, he actually, if we persevere in that place. Honestly, perseverance is, is, is the one thing that I think sometimes we miss. You can, you can get to a place, maybe you go to a Christian conference and you get like, hyped up, like, I'm going I'm to get serious about my faith, and you get stoked up, but, but it, but it kind of peters out, right? If we can persevere in a confidence of knowing that if God wants this more than I do, I can know this in a way where, where it's, it's not about me, I can be weak and fear and trembling just like Paul was, but God's going to do something amazing through just knowing this. Isn't that something? I, I, like r- raise the level of bar of expectation of what it could look like and, and just trust God with the rest. Follow him one step at a time. Worry about one day at a time. But we've got a, God's writing a story through us. I'm going to, so I, I want to I close in, in an ask this morning. I want to close in an ask of God. There's more for me in, in just literally knowing Jesus as a personal relationship and him crucified being, meaning everything. If you want to know more of that, I want to I close there. But I just have one more thought before we make that intentional ask and we just reach to him and, 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 and ask for his empowerment and his help. The um, first John chapter three, it says that in this, we know that we're loved, that he, that he gave up his life for us. I really believe that um, when, when I start to emphasize a message about we got to start thinking about our coworkers, we got to start thinking about our town. Sometimes it just feels so like, like, there's just this tangible sense and I felt it in my life, like that's not me, I'm not there. I'm not there where I, I can't share my faith. I don't know the first thing of how I could be doing that. And I want to encourage us that um, we love because God first loves us. That's also in 1 John. And, and we know the love of God in this, that he gave up his life for us. This ask of God, what is there that I'm missing in Jesus Christ and him crucified will change you because you start to see the love that God has for you in his son up there for you. In a certain way, it starts to mean more to you personally. He changes that in us. He shows you, hey, this is actually for you. You can, you can know those words a lot, but sometimes it's not real to you. Asking is the transformation. You've got to ask him in that place. And, and when it becomes real to you, and you start to see, oh my gosh, like I'm, I can't believe He would do that for me. I can't believe I don't even have to taste anything to do with my sin. I just walk in, in His life, and it's forever. He loves me. He's my dad. He's my best friend. I never have to, I don't, I don't have to go away from Him anymore. This, it, it, what I'm saying is that it becomes real. It's not, you're not pretending to be someone you're not. You're not faking anything. He changes you when that becomes real. We love because he first loves us, and there's something for us to see in his love that has to come back to Jesus in the cross. Is that making sense, guys? This is, is this fair? Um, so this, honestly, we're gonna, we're gonna actually just ask... Um, And and I can't do this next step for you. There's an integrity in our hearts when sometimes we pray because it's, you know, it's time to close things like, okay, like, let's just, this is when we close in prayer and that's what we do. (laughs) But, but if you, in the integrity of your heart, if you want to take a moment and actually ask God, God, there's something for me to know here. I might know a lot of good things, but I need to know what Paul knew. I need to know your love in a way that changes me. If you want to have the integrity in your heart to just say, God, as, as simple as can be, you can just come to him and ask. I, I'm just going to ask you, if, if you want to stand with me, let's just pray. And if you like, please take a moment and just make that serious and personal. Um, hmm. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come into this room right now. And I, I really believe that you illuminate your word to us. You make something real that that we couldn't have understood just with our own minds. That it's a connection with you that's direct. And... God, we're, we're earnestly asking. There's, there's something for us to know in a bigger way than we currently know. And I love, and we stand on your promise that says, if you ask, you'll find. I take good pleasure in giving you the kingdom. Help us to see your love in Jesus crucified for us. Help us to know Jesus personally in relationship. Help us to believe in the power when we start to pray for our coworkers. Help us to Help us to persevere in a few days or, or when, this, when we're discouraged and we kind of lose sight of things. Help us to persevere in continuing to ask, God, I, I don't need to have it all figured out. I don't need to have a PhD. I just need to know you and you crucified. If I don't have that, I've missed the rest. In your own way, Father, I pray that you'd breathe on your word inside of us that it would become real. Right here in this room right now, I just pray, come Holy Spirit. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus, that you're literally here among us and you're literally changing hearts. Thanks for teaching us this morning. Thanks for stirring us to to seek you in a new way. Thanks that you want to be known by us and you're just calling us to know you in a beautiful way, in a way that really changes who we are so that in us just being ourselves, you shine through us and you write the book of Carlton Place in a way that just calls people back to their fathers, calls people back to eternity and to the real life they've been called and created to have. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you guys want to take some time, please uh, make this your own. I don't think we need to tear down the chairs. We don't have a service for a couple more weeks. Um, please take some time. Feel free to pray with somebody, especially if you're new or this, this message is new to you. Um, take all the time you need. Make some space. Pray with a friend. Talk to somebody. Um, you're infinitely loved. That's it. Okay, bye. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.